0: Hello. My name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and mind and do incredible things in my life. And so, over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through his word and through his presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly, incredibly glad that you're here. Today, I'm going to talk about finding hope in the Bible. A few of you will have heard this content before. This is going to be episode 14 re recorded. I've had a lot of technical difficulty with this episode. I have tried reaching out to Apple, I've tried reaching out to my podcast ho- hosting um, site, and I've just had no luck. And so I feel passionate about this content, and I just woke up today knowing, this, knowing that this is what I was supposed to share or reshare. So I apologize to the few of you who have been able to hear this episode. But I just, again, felt very compelled that I needed to share this. Originally, the impetus or the kind of motivation for this particular episode was when I was driving some luggage home from youth camp back in June. I had a long time to drive in quiet and with my own thoughts and with Jesus. And a verse from Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 4, kept coming to my mind. And it says this, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And it was literally as if that particular verse was just on repeat in my mind. And I just kept thinking about finding hope in the Bible. We live in a world where a lot of people are facing hopelessness. And I recognize that that's not going to resonate with everyone because some people are in mountaintop seasons. And that's awesome. And some people are not facing hopelessness right now, but there's a lot of people who are overwhelmed by the news of the day. Um, There's a lot of statistics that prove that people are struggling with despair, with hopelessness, et cetera. I won't get into all of that. And I just wanted to remind us that we can turn to the word of God, no matter if it's a personal situation or if it's a global situation, we can turn to the word of God for hope how does finding hope in the bible tie into learning to read our bible and pray and establishing that habit that habit when we learn to turn to jesus for comfort and hope and we allow his word to minister to us it literally has this effect of weaving our heart to his word it becomes part of the fabric of our lives and it draws us back again and again Um, the bible tells us that he is the god of all comfort and when we learn to be comforted by him, there's just this effect of us being really melded and merged with him. It's, it's really a powerful thing when we allow him to comfort us. And when we're facing hopelessness or when we're battling fear or any other form of despair, there's something so powerful about turning to him for comfort that does help us establish the habit of Bible reading and prayer. And we have previously talked about why we read the Bible. Finding hope is not the primary reason we read the Bible. We read the Bible to um, feed our souls, to feed our spirits. We read our Bibles to find truth, to find out how to be saved, and other reasons as well. But we also, in that process, will find hope. I will tell you very personally that I have walked through a few seasons where I have just felt an overwhelming sense of hopelessness or despair for some situation or another. So this is not a topic for me. That is not something I've dealt with. Um, It is very personal. And hopelessness can come into our lives in a lot of different ways. Maybe we just feel this sense like it's always going to be this way. I'm never going to change. I just keep wrestling the same thing over and over. Why bother? Why not just give up and give in to all my struggles. Maybe we have long-term illness or relationship issues. Maybe we've battled with mental illness for a long time. Maybe we have ongoing temptations or we're battling addictions. Maybe we've watched a loved one struggle for years and years. Maybe we have wrestled with depression. Maybe we have a prodigal who's been gone for a very long time and it feels impossible for them to ever walk the road back to God. Maybe the enemy has just whispered lies in our ears that nobody loves us. We don't amount to anything. We don't matter. We're not enough. There's so many different ways. Again, it could just be the news of the day that allows this sense of hopelessness to cast dark shadows on the future. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of ways that hopelessness can come into our lives. And the enemy is quick to fuel thoughts of hopelessness and despair. But we can find hope in the scriptures. We can find others who have faced things or who are facing things. And that gives us courage and strength to go on. So the very first way that we find hope in the scriptures is from the stories of the scriptures. I'm just going to go through a quick list of a few people and different ways that we could find hope from their stories. You could read the book of Job, and you could find a man who lost everything, and he chose to still bless God. The, jo- the story of Job is so remarkable. Literally, in one day, he lost his family. Aside from his wife, he lost his livelihood. He lost his wealth. And yet, he turned around, and he said, "'The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. "'Blessed be the name of the Lord.'" That gives me a lot of hope that no matter what sort of loss I face, no matter what sort of tragedy or calamity, even personal sickness, that I can bless God in the middle of it. We could read the story of Abraham and he's given a promise from God and it cu- it is a 25-year wait for that promise to come to fruition. We could see that long waits and unfulfilled promises and literal impossibility are no match for the word of God, for the promises of God. And we can find hope for that when we're in the middle of our own weights. We could read the story of Joseph and see that God was with him in the lowest seasons of his life, in unimaginable circumstances. Joseph also faced a weight. He faced, I believe it was a 13-year trial. It says he was 17 when he was sold into Egypt, and 30 when he stepped up to be second in command in that country. And during that time, he was imprisoned, Uh, under false accusations. He was forgotten about. He had been betrayed by his own family, lied that he was dead. And yet the Lord was with him. We can see that God is with us in all circumstances. And not only that, but that forgiveness is possible. Joseph is such a picture of forgiveness that no matter what sort of betrayal we face, no matter what sort of hardships we face, we can forgive. And that gives us hope. We could read the story of Moses and we could see that God could still use an 80-year-old murderer who had been on the backside of the desert for 40 years to be a deliverer to his people, and that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And if God called us, he is going to bring it to pass. The Bible says, faithful is he who called you who also will do it, and that can give us hope. We could read the story of David, and though he was called a man after God's own heart, he was a man who was by no means perfect. He faced severe failures, not faced, but really facilitated extreme failures in his life and was a man who knew what it was to struggle, but that that failure was not an epitaph on his life, that he was a man who walked in repentance. He was a man of humility and we could see that our failures are not final, that can give us hope. We could read the story of Esther and we could see that doing the right thing is possible in the most difficult of circumstances, That can give us hope when we're facing very difficult and challenging circumstances. We could read the story of the widow who had only a handful of meal and a little oil. And she found out that the provision of God was perfect when she stepped out in obedience to the man of God and gave to him first before providing for her own children. And God multiplied her little bit of oil and her little bit of meal until the end of the famine got her through with what she had and that can give us hope when we need to rely on god for provision we could read the story of hezekiah which is an incredible story it's recorded in three places in the old testament it's in kings it's in chronicles and it's also in isaiah i believe chapters 37 to 39 super powerful he faced a very long siege of the enemy i've read some historical accounts i believe it was two sieges that lasted 13 years if i'm not mistaken But that long siege of the enemy was what allowed him to leave Hezekiah's tunnel, which stands to this day. And it's so fascinating, though he endured that long siege. The Bible says that there came a day, it says, that night the angel of the Lord went out in the camp of the Assyrians and slew 185,000. God allowed him to endure that long assault of the enemy. And then finally, when God was ready to step in, After all those years, he did it in a split second, and he took care of that enemy army. And so we can find hope that if we've faced a long assault or a long seizure of the enemy, there is still hope, and the battle is the Lord's. We could read the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and see that God uses what the world would consider small, insignificant individuals from small towns to fulfill his word, We don't have to have a name or a pedigree. We don't have to be sixth generation to be used by God. God looks at the heart and God uses available vessels and that gives us hope. We could read of the story of the man who had sat by the pool of Bethesda. The Bible tells us he had been in his condition for 38 years. He had nobody to help him get into the pool. But Jesus saw him and Jesus healed him and it did not matter that he'd been sick for 38 years, that he'd been crippled for 38 years. He found healing and that can give us hope. We could read the story of the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible tells us that she had exhausted all of her options and she had spent all of her money and it says she was none the better. Doctors had failed her. Medicine had failed her. Her finances had failed her. And Jesus was her last resort. She crawled through that crowd on her hands and knees and touched the hem of his garment and she found that virtue flowed from him and she was healed. She was instantly made whole and that can give us hope. We could read the story of Mary and Martha whose brother Lazarus died. They discovered that not even death was final. The tomb that their brother laid in did represent complete impossibility to them. But Jesus came and he said that he was the resurrection and the life. And Lazarus was raised to dead. And we can find that there truly is nothing impossible with God. So again, number one way we can find hope in the Bible is to read the stories of the Bible. Find ourselves on the pages of the word of God and see that there are so many in the word of God that faced impossible odds but they overcame, and that can give us hope for our own situations. I would encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11 and discover that life is not always pretty. It's not always pain-free, but that overcoming is still possible. And maybe for you, it won't be a particular story that you find that you get hope from, but maybe you'll find some of the emotions that you're battling, that sense of despair that sense of just inevitability written in the Psalms. There's so much raw emotion in the Psalms, and sometimes it's just such a comfort to know that someone has walked the same path. You're not alone. You're not, you know, again, without hope. You're not the only one who's ever battled the things that you are battling. And so I know I just went through a list of stories, some people that did receive what we would consider miracles. I'm not, to hear, or I'm not here to tell you that, you will get your miracle. I'm here to tell you that there's hope for your miracle. If God does not do what we would consider a miracle, we just know that he's able. But if he chooses not to, we're going to hold on to his sovereignty. We're going to hold on to the hope of salvation. And we are going to hold on to the hope of heaven. The Bible tells us in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This world is not our home. Our hope is not here. I believe it was Paul who said, if our hope is in this world, we are of all men most miserable. If our hope is built on our bank account, if our hope is built on our security, if our hope is built on our health and well-being, we will be miserable because those things can shift. Those things can change in a split second. But the hope of heaven never fades. It is always there the word of god never changes it is unshakable it is unwavering and god is a refuge for those that place their trust in him we can find hope in the scriptures and we just have to choose to refuse to give up hope today i am today i'm going to share an entry called the glimmer of hope before i read the entry i'd like to give just a little background to the story that is unfolding in this entry this is based on a story in second kings six and seven and in this story it's about the city of samaria that is under siege by this the syrian army so this is a walled city the enemy is all around the city and the people in the city are literally dying of starvation they're eating horses they're eating their children They're literally selling bird dung for people to eat. The situation is incredibly dire. And the prophet comes and says that about that time tomorrow, there is going to be an abundance of food. And people scoff at him. And so this is about how God unfolds the fulfillment of that prophecy and how God uses unlikely characters to bring to pass the fulfillment of that prophecy. And so here is today's unedited entry, A Glimmer of Hope. It is interesting to note about the miracle that God performed in 2 Kings 7. Number one, the city of Samaria was under siege by the Syrians. 2 Kings six twenty four says, all his host. He had brought all he had in terms of militia to defeat Samaria. Number two, The situation in Samaria was desperate. No one could go in or out. People were starving to the point of eating bird dung and their children. It was a dire situation, completely grim. Number three, God chose to use the actions of four unlikely candidates to defeat the enemy of God's people. Four lepers, four outcasts. They weren't qualified to defeat even one enemy, let alone an entire army. Undoubtedly, they were not only starving, but weak and wounded from the ravaging effects of their leprous condition. They weren't even trying to defeat the enemy or contemplating how they might. They were simply trying to survive. They had no battle plans, no strategy. They simply weighed their options and took action on the most likely plan for survival. They had three choices, stay where they were and starve, go into the city and starve, or walk around or walk toward the enemy in surrender, hoping the enemy would potentially, quote unquote, save us alive. It was unlikely, but the only hope they had. That is all God needed to perform the miraculous and defeat the enemy of his people, the footsteps of four lepers in survival mode. He just needed a little action from a few who would move in the direction of the tiniest glimmer of hope. Their attempt at survival brought victory and food for so many more than themselves. Number four, as they walked, God performed the miraculous. It says, and they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the utmost camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. The Syrians assumed it was their enemy. Wherefore, they arose in the twilight and fled. So hysterical. God used the unlikely actions of unlikely candidates to unfold the miraculous, not only in their lives, but in the lives of his people. Once they realize everyone is gone, they begin to eat and drink and enjoy the spoils left behind in the Syrians' haste. Then they realized, We do not well, now therefore come that we may tell the king's household. Upon the delivery of the news to the king's household, it is assumed that this is a further strategical enemy or move of the enemy to draw the starving Israelites outside of the walls of Samaria. So it is determined to send out scouts. The situation in Samaria is so severe that there are only a few horses left to open, quote, send and see. I love that the Bible includes this detail. I think it is to further reiterate just how dire things were for God's people and how unlikely this miracle would be. Then, one of the funniest pictures painted by the scriptures verse 15 says and they went after them unto jordan and lo all the way was full of garments and vessels which the syrians had cast away in their haste and the messengers returned and told the king lol god had caused such great fear to descend upon the syrians at the sound of nothing more than four leprous men's footsteps the fear was so great that they're throwing things to the side as they retreat in fear I find the scene depicted in that verse to be completely hysterical. So the word of the Lord, spoken by Elisha at the beginning of the chapter, comes to pass. In less than 24 hours, the dire situation of the people of Samaria turns to abundance. Verse 16 says, And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. No more bird dung, no more horse meat, which I imagine to be quite tough, no more disputing over whose child would be eaten next. The long siege of the enemy came to an abrupt end simply because four lepers decided to move. They refused to give in to despondency and they moved toward what was truly the only faint glimmer of hope they had. Their refusal to give up allowed God to defeat the enemy without one drawn sword or one drop of shed blood. The word of the Lord and the deliverance of his people came to pass because four very unlikely, small, and insignificant men chose to exhaust every option in the quest to survive. Let me just remind myself, God does not need a lot. He does not need an army or a commander general. He doesn't need a strategy or battle plans mapped out on a scroll. Sometimes all he needs is footsteps. He needs someone who will keep going, though the glimmer of hope is faint. Sometimes all he needs is one or two or three or four who, like the lepers, know they are nothing but refuse to give up to an untimely death. The battle truly is the Lord's. The long siege and dire situation in Samaria had no bearing on his ability to turn things around in a split second and he did it in a way that no one would have expected and that only he could receive credit for. Just FYI, by the grace of God, let me keep walking, keep moving toward the glimmer of hope I see. Let me say with the lepers, why sit we here until we die? And with David, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Again, that was an unedited entry, A Glimmer of Hope, Just a little reminder, not to give in to the voices of despair, not to give in to the voices of hopelessness as things begin to unfold in the world around us and the news prompts fear. Let's refuse to give in to the despondency. Remember that Jesus said that perilous times are going to come in the last times. We have no hope for things getting better in this world. The Bible does not promise us that things are going to get better in this world. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Really be brave, be courageous, because I have overcome the world. And so I just want to remind you today that sometimes God just needs us to refuse to give up. Refuse to listen to those voices of despair. Refuse to listen to the voices of hopelessness. Refuse to give up your hope. Refuse to give in. Make up in your mind that you are going to endure to the end, that you are not going to be deceived by the enemy, that you are going to get to know Jesus through his word. His word and knowing him is what's going to keep us through all the things that are going to unfold in the last days. There's always hope whether you're facing fear again from global situations or from your own personal life, there is hope. You can find it in the word of God. Don't give up hope and just keep walking. Thank you again so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit megunedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.